Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology uh, and nutrition professor of about a dozen years, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. Hey, guys. John Mike here. I'm uh, finishing up my PhD in exercise phys. I write for major fitness and bodybuilding magazines, and I've competed in Strongman. And this is Phil Stevens. I'm a coach. I run Strength Guild. I'm also a Highland Games athlete and a powerlifter. Um, I'm not on the level of our guest, though, in in Highland Games. So we got Matt Vincent on the line. Matt, thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. Great to be back. Yeah, it's good times. We just got a bit of news, and then uh, we're going to let Matt just just blow us up with knowledge bombs. Sounds good. (laughs) Strength and Muscle Sport News. Yeah, I have one little bit of nutrition news. This is from uh, October 13th, Sports Illustrated, believe it or not. Apparently, the, uh, you know, hockey can get pretty brutal. And the Red Wings, they have a dietitian, Lisa McDowell, who actually does things that most of the dietitians I know don't. She actually does some blood work, some lab testing on these guys and, um, you know, just stuff like basic, like organ function and blood counts and all that sort of stuff and enzymes in the blood and basic stuff. But, um, there's an article in here about how she tries to feed them to help them recover uh, from injuries and just being beat up in general. I think we could all use a little bit of this. So uh, some of this is a little stretched, and I don't agree with all of it, but it's it's a good rundown. So these are different colored foods. I just thought it would be good for listeners to guilt you into eating more of this stuff if you're not. But So down the color list, there's reds. Her example for that is L-citrulline which she says is converted into the amino acid arginine, and that, because of vasodilation and whatnot, supports wound healing. Well, I mean, there may be other things arginine does, but um, I'm not a big fan of arginine as a vasodilator. We just had Bill Campbell on the show, and he was saying it doesn't really do that, like a lot of people think, but um, there, there's other uh, benefits to arginine, perhaps. So, And they also talk about, the, apparently they contract with a local orchard to uh, produce uh, tart cherry juice. I don't know if listeners have that heard of that. That is really good. Actually. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, one of the guys I worked with up in Minnesota, Gary Castello, he does research with tart cherry juice, and he looks at, like, uh, you know, creatine kinase and all these damage markers in the blood and stuff and um, antioxidant effects. And uh, and that's what this says, you know, basically anti-inflammatory. Uh, I was actually not aware that cherry juice is also a source of melatonin to aid yes, in sleep. Is. Yeah, I didn't realize. I knew it was an antioxidant and helped with muscle recovery and all that, but... Uh, at least arguably. Um, in fact, there was a giant bus, like a tour bus, came up, pulled up to campus when he was doing that stuff, and they were just promoting the hell out of it because, you know, they they like it when the eggheads support their product, I'm sure. Anyway, um, oranges and yellows are next. Um, you know, sweet potatoes, you know, for beta carotene, also for vitamin C and that sort of thing. And she also mentions in this list that on oranges and yellows, pineapples. Uh, pineapples have the enzyme up bromelain. And that I've actually seen some research that may actually help reduce some of the, those muscle damage markers. So there may be something to that. So the oranges and yellows. Greens, uh, she talks about spinach and avocados. 
uh, spinach uh, because they apparently greens contain nitric oxide. And again, we're back to that. I'm not a huge fan that you can actually jack NO levels enough to really do much, at least not for muscle growth. And then it says the testosterone boosting or supporting effects of avocados because of their monounsaturated fats. But, I've read about that before. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a little bit of a stretch. I don't think anybody's yeah. getting jacked eating uh, avocados because they're testosterone. I beg to differ. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually all I eat. Is no, hey, at. I love the stuff. I love the stuff. I just don't think your testosterone is going to make you look like uh, well, Phil, it Phil Heath. Well, depends on how you inject them. <laughs> <laughs> um, blues and purples, and the list isn't big, guys. Blues and purples. Um, like blueberries, grapes, red cabbage, that sort of thing. Lots of antioxidants. Uh, those are anthocyanins. I don't think she mentioned that in here. But that stuff's supposed to have, like, nerve regenerative qualities. And I thought for powerlifters, you know, always thinking about um, the nervous system and, you know, if we talk about speed work and that sort of thing, that could actually be supportive. Whites, like onion, she says because it contains the immune-stimulating allicin. Uh, but onions also have quercetin, which is in grapefruit as well. And that stuff's supposed to reduce drug metabolism and that kind of thing. So it, these things have real effects. And then blacks and browns, meaning the nuts and seeds, basically. I was just reading an article about the, some of the anti-cancer effects of almonds. And almonds also significantly drop your cholesterol. So, you know, th- there's a lot of things. Like when people say just count your macros and all that sort of thing, I get where they're coming from. But at the same time, if your macros, if your carbs are from cheese puffs, you know, and that sort of so, and your fat and protein is from bologna. That's not the same thing as eating this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So there are other things in foods I think that that create a quality diet. Anyway, and the other thing was just a question from our um, message boards, our listener page on Facebook, uh, and the guys were asking about DMSO, dimethyl sulfoxide, and uh, you know that's been used for all kinds of things over the years and i've actually seen books that it's therapeutic in its own right but i think the reason a lot of strength athletes will use that is either a anti-inflammatory effects or b that shit carries stuff low molecular weight compounds right through your skin so they're actually using it to get various uh, meds and drugs into them actually i don't think it'd be a very efficient route you know uh, like injecting avocados <laughs> but <laughs> but uh you know so th- that's why they use that stuff and i mean people have all kinds of thoughts on it you know it's industrial solvent actually so it's weird stuff i don't i, I don't think i've ever read that it's necessarily uh, meant for medical use uh there may be some medical uses for it you know but it's either the anti-inflammatory stuff or the drug delivery stuff i don't know phil what do you what else did do you remember? Yeah, I've that? seen weird stuff with it. I mean, I've seen even people like saying you should gargle with it. And it's like, man, that just sounds bad. Oh, my but, uh, God. Yeah. Um, using it as a mouth rinse and everything else. Um, yeah. But I don't know. My problem with it has been is, like you said, I mean, it, its ability to allow things to pass the barrier of the skin mm-hmm. that normally would not. And I'm sorry, the general meathead I know isn't careful enough, you know? Yes. So, um, and they don't realize that just because they're trying to get, you know, whatever to pass the skin, that the other things they come in contact will as well. Um, right. I you know, know and there's guys... a reason that skin is only semi-permeable. That's right. You know? <laughs> aren't, aren't you at risk for, like, any type of infection and all that stuff? Well, I don't oh, think... yeah, and I mean, like... even carcinogens that are right. in the, you know... Right. It's the chemicals. I, I mean, a bacteria is too big to get drugged through your skin, you know, uh, size-wise, molecular size-wise. But, yeah, there's a lot of nasty stuff that you could accidentally drag through your skin. Oh, and, I- and yeah, I mean, even, like, even 
simple, you know, things that people don't even think about that, that seem harmless, like soaps and lotions. There's shit in there that it shouldn't go through. Right. That's not meant to you be know, in your and blood. And now it can. So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's, and man, it'll give you stinky breath. And I don't know. I, I've messed around with it probably in ways that I shouldn't have, that I won't even talk about. And I never saw any benefit. You know, I've heard other people say it was great. You know, it lets oxygen through the skin barrier to your knees and whatnot. But, it, man, man, the... The the risk versus reward to me just wasn't wasn't there. Yeah, if I remember I'm not, right, it was I'm something not smart ab- enough for all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I was, you know what yeah. I was just gonna say. Remember yeah. something about it being a methyl donor uh, and how that's supposed to help with inflammation and a different kind of pathway and stuff. But that's getting even worse. So uh, <laughs> that's going off the egghead side too far. So all I know is, yeah, I've seen guys crush up even just over the counter stuff like aspirin, ibuprofen, mm-hmm. try to get it right into the joint. You know, like yeah. right locally. Um, but yeah, yeah, my I, wife can smell that, that from a, a, literally across the house. I can tell you this. If I, see, I did that. We, we like crushed up some ibuprofen and put it in there, and it worked. Um, I can tell you this. A buddy of mine put it on his arm before getting a sleeve done to, to deaden the pain of getting a sleeve done. Right, that's a dumb and idea. The bad thing was it makes your skin semi-permeable, and the ink just like spread. Oh my it, god! The lines didn't. I mean, it just. Oh, it was he like deserves this. every bit of it. <laughs> it was a blob. Yes, he, yes, he does, man. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, no, it's yeah, it's not it's not great to mess with. So, in my opinion, I mean, if you if you like it, go for it. But I mean, for me, the the risk versus reward. I mean, I'm running around. I have a daughter that's six, and she's like, like any six year old, she's a big walking cesspool of germs and, and whatnot <laughs> even if you bathe them you know she's out rolling and oh it's pig poop yay yeah you know? then, then she so. climbs on daddy and you got it on your arms and <laughs> yeah, now it's in your exactly. blood now i got pig poop permeating my you know, <laughs> skin and yeah so anyway okay well yeah so <sighs> bottom line yeah edgy stuff sort of risky stuff when it comes to contamination and anyway yeah. that's all that's all in the news so matt we're back yes sir so you won the Highland Games World Championship again. I did. I did. I snuck out another win this year. Yeah. Uh, I did not think that's how my season was going to go, but um, I was able to, I guess, get it done the season when it counted. Yeah, you you peaked out well and started kicking ass right when it, when, right when it counted. So Yeah, thank goodness, because I really stunk it up at the beginning <laughs> of the year. <laughs> well, see, the beginning of the year doesn't count. I mean, it's just... Oh, you're right. It's just practice then. Yeah, it's just like the Royals just snuck one out here in my area. So look at that. Oh, yeah. Look at those dudes. <laughs> <laughs> but um what else is going on i know i know you got a lot lot going on with you're doing some stuff with mark bell and things like that you got going yeah um right now uh kind of training is you know it's the off season it's beginning of my off season which means i'm just trying to get my diet shit back together and then uh really make my body not hurt anymore mm-hmm. to before i actually start my high volume off season which i don't know when that the goal of starting that is i don't know december or january I think I'm going to start a little later than I did the year before. But, yeah, working with, with Mark Bell, he and Jesse have uh, kind of really, really helped me dial in the diet stuff and uh, working with Kelly Starrett as well on some mobility things. To, uh, try to try to get as good as I can. Yeah. So that's amazing. You mean you don't stay peaked out like year-round? Jeez, no. I don't <laughs> see Hey, look, you know, I do compete in a drug-free sport and even – even if it's not, it doesn't make any difference. You, you just can't. You can't be at 100% all the time. And if you think you are, that means you're, well, you're wrong. Yeah. And your 100% sucks. <laughs> so what do you think paid off the most in, in uh, 
you know, later later on in the season to get you, you know, another win at the Highland Games World Championship if, if you can if you can like point to one or two things? For sure. Um I would say the biggest thing for me was, you know, I wanted to lose the weight this season and I was able to drop about twenty five pounds kinda beginning of the year and then going into the season and kinda struggled finding counterbalance and things like that. And so I was really happy training and with the weight loss and kinda doing that type of stuff, but I really wasn't throwing a whole hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to games and wasn't very happy with my performance. So I finally had to have a a moment and tell myself, uh, you know, either you're going to be okay with sucking, <laughs> you know, and, you know, sucking is relative, but, yeah, you know, you're going to be okay with not throwing as far as you want to and keep doing what you're doing. Or if you're, if you want to throw, you need to get your shit together and do what you're supposed to do. And for yeah. me, that's go out and throw four times a week. Yeah. You know, get out of the gym. You're plenty strong. Go throw. Hey, I've got a question for you, Matt. Then, so how much do you weigh? Right now, I'm a uh, two seventy three this morning. Okay, I just want listeners to be aware when you say you drop twenty pounds and you feel better. Yeah, you know, because we're always talking about the bigger you are, the more leverage, and you know, you're often stronger. But you're no, so you're so big. It's definitely different for different sports. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not two hundred pounds. Uh, you know, at, at two seventy two, I think the lightest I got during the season was probably. 266 267 okay so I, think I ever saw 265 but so when you're when you're a heavier weight did you find like it made a difference in, in performance or not well like when i was 290 yeah versus oh like, yeah i'm a shit ton stronger than but i don't move as well and i sure as hell don't recover and sure. uh the other 23 hours a day of my life when i'm not in the gym suck yeah i'm a big fat sloppy mess yeah. and i hate it <laughs> <laughs> No, and that's that's interesting. I mean, I was just talking to this with somebody the other day, um, and it's totally different. Like you said, it, it changes from sport to sport. Um, like a powerlifter can get away with it, and and it'll help some. And that's that's one thing I liked about like with Mark Bell the other day. He had a question. Somebody came to him. They're like, "Well, how's your strength now?" And I I love it when guys are honest, like he did. He's like, because he's losing a bunch of weight, getting yeah. lean, and but he's still honest, and he's like, "Man, the best way to get big and strong is just fucking eat and gain some weight." Sure, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's very relative. You're kind of against the, uh, well, I mean, 270, I'm calling that small. But, well, I am, I am um, small in, compar- I mean, in even, comparison even to a lot of the, the other athletes. Yeah, yeah, even on the Highland Games market. Yes, like exactly. Like powerlifting or strength in general. But, yeah. I mean, I'm a huge CrossFitter if we look at it like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, with the Highland Games, I mean, shoot, you know, the guy I've been really doing most of the battle with is, uh, you know, your Kansas City boy, uh, Dan McKim. Yeah. And shoot, Dan's 6'5", 310. Yeah. And so we're, we're playing with a completely different set of rules between yes. the two of us. And, uh, yeah, I've got to make up some stuff in speed. And he's a gamer. He's a gamer, too. And so yeah. – it's always a fight between the two of us. It's been it's been a lot of fun over the last four years. That's for sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's interesting to see because I mean you're you're definitely not the prototypical Highland Games athlete um, as far as your build. I mean, it's you usually see a lot of shot putters and stuff, and those guys are generally huge. You know, I dealt with a bunch of shot putters in Arizona. Yeah, I was a bad <laughs> shot putter, so luckily that worked <laughs> out for me. <laughs> yeah. So, um, geez, uh, anything else want to go on before we go to break and then get to the topic? Um. No, I guess that's about it. You know, uh, that that's really the change it made in my season was when I decided to get out of the weight room and get back in the field and, and, and really dial in to finding my, you know, sport-specific strength and my sport and, and getting those reps in. And, 
you know, when I tell people I go get reps in, I mean, for me, the weights, the events that really started struggling once I lost weight were uh, lightweight for distance got really tricky. And that's something I've been really good at the last two, two or three seasons. Um, my stone fell apart and then my heavyweight wasn't any good. So basically everything I needed to throw well went to shit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I get out there and start throwing uh, the heavyweight. Uh, I mean, I'll throw it 60 times a week. Yeah. And that seems to fix the problem. Pretty amazing that, you know, you, your throwing sucked, so you threw more. Weird, right? Yeah. No, exactly. In fact, that's what I was just going to say. So, I was gonna, so what's the best mix for you, man? I mean, as far as, like, barbell work versus, you know, just getting rep after rep throwing stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a certain level of strength you need. And, two, I, I'm a meathead. I like being in the gym. Mm-hmm. And so that there's a certain, certain amount of that that keeps me, you know, keeps me sane. Uh, I don't always feel like packing shit up and going out to the field and throwing. I mean, look, I'm spoiled. I've got a field not very far from my house. And I'm even more spoiled because I don't want to go throw at it because there's no concrete to throw off of, and I have to wear cleats, and I'd rather throw off of concrete. So uh, it's it's deciding to, that this is what you need to do to get better. There's no amount of cleans or snatches or, or squats that I'm going to be able to do that are going to translate to me throwing further if my technique sucks. Mm-hmm. So I need to go fix the technique first. That way I'm getting more transfer from the strength I have. Which is funny you say that because the overwhelming overwhelming majority of strength athletes and even novice lifters, they think the total opposite, right? They just got to do more squats and deads and, you know, that's going to fix everything from a technical perspective. But I think it's the same even for powerlifting. You yeah. Know? You know, that I mean, geared powerlifting or raw powerlifting, I mean, spend some time perfecting your form. I mean, there's nothing worse than seeing people have just sloppy shit form. Yeah. And, and, and you know they're stronger. And so, I mean, until you've got, you know, I mean, I don't believe that there is a perfect form because everybody's bodies are slightly different. And so you're going to have some some variation there for people to play with whatever their own strengths or skills or leverages are. And outside of that, like until you've reached a point that, you know, you're you're seeing a transfer of, you know, 80 or 90 percent of your strength or or more than that, make those lists proficient. You know, work on your squat. I mean, if you're a raw squatter. Make sure you know that your your hand placement and how tight your back needs to be and where and you know how you how you unrack the bar and walk out and your setup is dialed. Yeah. And there's a lot to it. There's more than just getting under the bar. Yeah. This kind of delves into the topic of the day bit a bit, but um no, I mean I see the same with like my multi sport athletes. Let's say I get little pictures and stuff that I, I deal with and you know, the parents come in, well, make him strong so he's better and it's like, Well, you know, that's that's fine, but I you know, I'll demand that they while I'm making them strong, they need to still be out there pitching, you know, right. <laughs> because that's the only way it's going to transfer over. Yeah, exactly. you know, that that 250-pound squat ain't going to do crap if he's not out there practicing pitching. So, right. um, you know, the two work hand in hand. But let's go ahead and take a break, and then we'll come back and get into the topic. So. Yeah, yeah, right on. <clears throat> Hi, this is Dr. Lowry with an update on the protein book that you hear about in the ad at the end of the show. Uh, If you simply Google CRC Press and protein, uh, there's a new development. On the right side of the page, you can see ebook, and there's a purchase slash rent option. And the cool thing here is if you check that out now, because they have an agreement with Vital Book, uh, you can actually download the ebook for $69 US dollars. So that's 31% off the $99.95 uh, cover price. So that's pretty fantastic. $69, I think that's going to 
drop it into the affordable range for a lot of people, and you can even rent it. Uh, lower down the page, they have 180-day rentals and one-year rentals, so you can access the book in electronic format and get some of this juicy information. So, thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry, and on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, you can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. Uh, it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook – uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website, and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. <laughs> Fix of Iron Radio. In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everybody, we're back, and again, we've got Matt Vincent. Today, we're going to cover not just Olympic lifts, but, I mean, <laughs> explosive lifts or dynamic lifts for athletes in general, I suppose. And, you know, number one, you just went, so you're in the off season, and you just posted a video, I think it was this week, of, uh, you know, you just went and did an Olympic lifting meet. So, apparently, you're a proponent of uh, explosive lifts for athletes. So, you want to talk about that a bit? Sure. Um, you know, I think... You know, for athletes, more than anything else, I mean, most most of us who are athletes who are going to strength train, I mean, out, you know, just outside of powerlifting or even weightlifting, for that matter, my total is not terribly important to mm-hmm. how well I'm going to throw. And stronger doesn't always mean better performance on the field. I mean, yeah. and when I say stronger, I mean bigger total. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of it for athletes, I mean, whether you're playing football or you're going to do baseball or any of those things, I mean, you're really dealing with sub-maximal loads all the time in your sport. And so being able to accelerate weight and being able to generate force and, you know, the, the timing involved athletically that's involved with some of the Olympic lifts. And I think that stuff's important for athletes to learn, you know, learning that body awareness, learning how to, you know, move your body in space and how to control yourself and, you know, being able to create leverage. Those things are, are, are just as key to max strength, you know, as ever. I mean, I don't know how many kids I knew playing football or, or throwing or any of those other things that were way stronger than me in the gym, but were terrible. Yeah. Just can't, can't control themselves. And, uh, Weightlifting for me has, has helped that a lot. Plus, I, I I like weightlifting. Yeah. So it's not like I started doing this simply because I you know wanted to do it all for sport. I enjoy weightlifting, and so I think there's a little bit that can translate to anybody. And you know, one of those for me would be, you know, doing. I mean, if you don't have the mobility, you're a little older athlete, or you're just not in shape yet, or or whatever it is, 
you don't want to learn the full snatch or a full clean. I, I think clean pulls and snatch pulls uh-huh. are, are key. I think you can get everything you need to as an athlete from the, from those movements. Yeah. I think the drop and the catch aren't aren't terribly valuable for an athlete. No, I totally agree, and I mean that's where ninety percent of the benefits from. But you know, one thing that that turned out to me was, um, kind of opened my eyes to this was I started working with a, a bunch of a bunch of athletes, and I got the pleasure of working with like some D one athletes. I had one girl from Missouri who like still holds the home run uh, national record, and she, the one she was most proud of was she had the most. Uh, what was it? The most, the most walks in the NCAA with bases loaded. That was her favorite record. Um, but, awesome. but uh, you know, she said the number one thing was cleans. You know, um, the, her best seasons were when she was power cleaning the most and squat cleaning the most. And I think there's just a transfer to it brings the weight room back to using your body, like you were saying. I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's more full body, and it's not just lift the weight up, put it down. You know, it's, it's learning how to, to use the body as a machine more than even a squat and, and a deadlift. Um, oh, for so. sure. I mean, cleans and snatch are a full body lift. <clears throat> but, no, yeah, I mean, even in the powerlifting aspect, I mean, I think as far as dynamic lifting go, I mean, somebody is talking to Ed Cohn, and somebody asked him about, you know, did you do speed work? And... He's like, well, no, we didn't really. We just always tried to lift the weight as fast as possible, <laughs> you know. So, right. Um, what about you know? So you use lots of. I know you use cleans and snatches, and I mean, even in your basic or more basic programs for athletes, um, you ever get into the? Um, do, do you have an emphasis on like squatting fast, speed squats? Uh, yeah, I, like I mean, that? so my program breaks down into you've got a strength cycle. And then you also have a speed cycle that they kind of rotate back and forth. And um, during the speed cycle, I mean, like you'll do 10 sets of 12, or I'm sorry, not 10 sets of 12, 12 sets of three uh, for your squat. Mm -hmm. And and I think by the last week of that, you're really not getting over about 75%. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, the goal of that is to accelerate the bar as fast as you can the entire lift. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I'm doing them correctly, and I mean, I'm, you know, squatting my heels down and pushing through the heels, not not doing my squatting correctly, but I'm firing the hips all the way through the top of the lift, then I mean, I'm making sure the barbell's not coming off my back because then things get squirrely. Yeah. But I mean, I'm definitely hitting it hard enough at the top that I'm coming up to my toes a little bit. Yeah. You know, and it's a, and it's such a, a lighter a lighter load that you can get away from it. You can get away with it and still be safe, but I am far more beat up from those workouts than I am, Mm -hmm. you know, the heavy singles and and triples that I do during my strength cycle. Uh, I mean, the thing for those two is I also will really gauge my, my rest periods and try to keep, you know, try to do a set a minute basically. Mm -hmm. As far as your performance on the field goes, I mean, you, can you see a, a drop off? Let's say you're in your strength cycle. Um, is there a noticeable drop off when you're not doing explosive lifts? Do you think? But I'm always doing explosive lifts. Okay. Yeah. So that's the other part of it. So I mean, yeah. I'll you know I squat and bench one day, I'll push press, deadlift another day, and then I mean, push press is always going to be an explosive lift. I don't care how heavy it is. I mean, it's a full body you know lift. Yeah. Where you have to dip down and really drive up and make the connection of power from the feet to the hands, and then on day three for me in the season. I clean and snatch. Mm-hmm. And so that'll vary depending on weight. If I'm in a, if I'm in a strength cycle, typically my day one, day two are heavier mm-hmm. and day three stays a little bit lighter. So at the end of the week, I am moving quickly, mm-hmm. especially if I've got to you know go compete that weekend. Whereas during a speed cycle, 
those lifts at the beginning of the week will be a little lighter and faster, like I said, up to about 75%. And then the Olympic lifts will get a little heavier. And so since you can't do Olympic lifts slowly, they're a little heavier. So you get some added strength work because you'll have to front squat and do some things like that. Or So, so well, I, 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 I kind of always do them. I think the other great thing about the Olympic lifts is, I mean, it's exactly the reason why Olympic lifters can train more frequently. They don't, you're never touching the load that you're grinding. Right. You know, so, I mean, they're, right. they're auto-regulatory. It's like, oh, I <laughs> missed that. So, apparently. You say that, but there's there's bad coaching and bad programming <laughs> yeah. everywhere. Yeah, that's true. And, I mean, I to me, it really kills me to see guys, you know, squat four or five times a week. I just, for me, I, I've never understood the benefit of that. I've always kind of lived up to a little bit of the notion of, you know, as an athlete, especially when getting, you know, a little older now, especially in training years is what's the least I can do and still make yeah. the progress I want and stay healthy all the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's a very, I mean, the thing is you're seeing that come out more and more now, but I think the reason I'm seeing it is because the crowd I run into is getting older. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's really, yeah. Man, you know? um, Cause me and Jim talk about all that all the time. And it's like, but, yeah, but, but Jim will do it like he's like, I trained five times this month. I'm yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. He'll yeah. He's like trying to push it back to where he can train once a year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, 10 years ago, it's like we were talking about how often, you know, I, I trained six times this week. And now it's like 10 years later, man, I trained three times, but it was great. And I feel good. Uh, yeah. Uh, that, um, I just, I don't ever want to feel, and, and I can get away with it. I mean, I, I would be a little different if I was trying to really push strongman or trying to push. Mm-hmm powerlifting or any of the other things because you know you, you need the sub you need the maximal weight in those in those things to be good at them mm-hmm. i think you can get away with sub maximal training if you do it smart but your events have to be on point you've got to be good and proficient at those events well wouldn't you say i mean that the it's it, you get to a point where you realize that the quality overturns quantity i mean it's, sure um you know that i mean there's just no point in going in and, and missing 17 lifts and getting pissed off and beating your body up. Um, right. Yeah. I, I, you don't get stronger missing lifts. I would much rather, and it's much safer for, for any athlete. I mean, if look, the, the key thing for me, I've always remembered is if you are an athlete that competes, the whole purpose of your training is to compete yes. and be better at competition. So if you do something stupid in the gym and get hurt and can't compete, you're an asshole. Yes. <laughs> And that's your fault. You you chose to do that. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, your coach told you to do this or that. No, the hell with that. It's still your choice. And be smart. Be smart so you can keep competing. That's you know that's the goal. Yeah. And and I would rather be healthier. And for me, if I'm going to push 95 percent for a single, which may get kind of squirrely, or let's say it feels great that I hit mm. five singles at 95 percent that day, and it feels great, and I want to go up and wait and hit another rep max. Mm-hmm. You know, I I train alone in a garage. Mm-hmm. I mean, if shit goes south, I'm basically just <laughs> going to lay there and die. Yeah. And I would much rather, if it felt great, I hit my singles, I'll go for a triple. That's more work. That's more volume. That's going to build more strength over time than if I'd have ramped it up and gone 100 and, and put five or 10 more pounds on the bar. It doesn't make any difference. Plus, well, I can keep better, my form better. better. I'm not, yeah. better stuff. You know, it's a, uh, you know, I can keep form tighter. I can keep, stay safer yeah. during the lifts. And, 
right. well, I'm just not, I'm not your crazy hardcore guy that needs to do a bunch of bullshit to, uh, <sighs> oh, you know, I didn't add 400 bands and a bunch of chains <laughs> stuck under a squat. <laughs> Looks stupid. <clears throat> no, and I mean, uh, it's worth saying. I mean, that's like you, you touched on it. Um, and I'll tell that to my athletes. It's like, it's be it a baseball player, football player, or, you know, Highland games athlete. If, if they get hurt on their field of play, that that just happens. Yeah, that's if well, that's, get, that's where it should happen. Yeah, and it, if you get hurt in the gym, man, that's assistance work. You just that, that's the worst thing that could happen. Right. Oh, you, know, you should never get hurt in the gym. And aside from the freak accident that happens. Yeah, yeah. Look, think catastrophic failure is is something <clears throat> you can't. You can't. Yeah, we can't, can't predict it. It's like trying to predict a tornado or a hurricane. You know, I look you know, at I look happens. at an athlete like a uh, like Brandon Lilly. You know, I mean, shoot, that guy pushes himself really hard all the time. Yeah. Training's really heavy. But that dude had a major injury on the platform at a competition. Yes, I mean that's the way it's supposed to be. Yes. He didn't. He didn't buckle up in training and, and you know trying to boost his own ego in the garage. Exactly, and then you know that's when it's it's a a a risk that's worth it. I suppose. I mean, if you want exactly. to exactly, so, so that that's what it should be. I mean, yeah. that's when you're going to risk it. Um, <clears throat> what do you guys got, Lonnie? Anything? Well, actually, when Matt, when you were talking, uh, you. I was thinking about the length. So when you set up programs, you're talking about like strength phases and speed phases. Yeah. How how long are those, and do you take any time off between them? Yeah. So I usually run a five on like a a, a four on one week off okay. type of setup, and so I will run a strength cycle usually between five or ten weeks, uh, depending on what point in the season I'm at, and then my speed cycle is always uh, a five week. So it's. Mm-hmm. Four weeks on, one week off. And for my week off, I am not a go-sit-on-the-couch guy. And so I do basically restorative work during that week. Uh, my deload weeks are I'll switch to, you know, 50% weight and three sets of 10. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, just get the blood flow, you know, and keep moving. Otherwise, uh, I, I've noticed that my body, I mean, if I'm if I'm working hard, and especially with, with my job and I'm traveling and stuff like that, if I start – just telling the body like, oh hey, we're not gonna do anything, like it will really shut down on me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and be like, oh, okay, we're done. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> we're gonna that's get sick. Lot... That's that's the plan now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's getting a lot more popular these these days. Is the is the deload week, and people think, well, deload, I'll just take a full week off and just kind of sit on my ass. And it's not really the case. I mean, I'm still in the gym, you know, twice a week, but it's you know the volume is lower, the intensity yeah. is a little bit lower. And then come back the next week and. Start a new cycle, training cycle. Yeah, I really like okay. how Matt said that. Otherwise, you shut down. And I oh, think yeah. a lot of people, they don't get that. You know, when they take time off, they really take the time off, off. Or, you know what I mean? Because it might be harder to take it seriously. Maybe not for Matt at his level, but it might be hard to take that downtime seriously. But if that's part of the program, that doesn't mean cheese puffs and lay on the couch, you know? No. So. Yeah, but from a coaching aspect, that's hard. I mean, like, I just thought, you know, Matt just took some time off and went to, where were you, Chicago? And you yeah, took a well, few days off. Work, yeah. And, you know, the thing, you see, like, these people on the social media websites, Facebook and blah, 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 you know, like, oh, I'm out of the gym. I don't know what to do. I haven't taken a day off in 17 years. It's oh, like, man, yeah. you'd probably right. do yourself a favor by taking a day off. And yeah. that's where it's hard from a coaching aspect is, like, getting people to <clears> – <throat> Like I'm coaching people to meets, and it's like, okay, it's it's rest week. You're gonna come in and do like 25 percent and just move, and it's like they stress over it. It's like, oh, I'm gonna lose it. gains are being lost by the second, and it's like, man, come on, you know, well, recovery is happening. 
Um, I mean, most people don't do anything for their own, uh, you know, like their own head, I guess. The, the other way I look at it is, you know, it's one of the big things I kind of try to preach too is learn to live as well. You know, I mean, I've made no, uh, no lies about anything. I mean, my competing in Highland Games and strength stuff and writing and all this, I mean, this is a vehicle for me to see the world yes. and meet interesting people and experience great things. Wouldn't you agree with me, however, though? I mean, you, I know you know a lot of high, high-level athletes across the various fields, and so do I. The ones that I've seen that are the best aren't just an athlete. Right. You know, they Everybody's have, got something else. Yes, and you got to let go. You can't stress over it so much. Yeah, amen. Um, it's usually the people that are, like, let's say powerlifting because I compete in it. It's, it's the ones that are on social media and, and in life. That's all they talk about is, oh, well, yeah, they're power, also power, the ones power, that power, aren't power, very power. good at. And they're not good. Yeah, exactly. Right. So You know, once Rob yeah. said something about, he said, if you walk into my apartment, you can't even tell, you know, yeah. that I'm a power lifter. I mean, there's oh, a belt. I'm the same boat. I don't know. have any trophies at my house. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. have any, any single trophies at my house at all. Yeah. Yeah, belt hanging on the doorknob somewhere in the bedroom, maybe or something. But you know what I mean. There's not like you know, right. gym bag somewhere, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I read something a while back, and and it kind of rang true to me. And it was, you know, at, at some point in your life, you need to find three things you love, and make one of those your profession, make one of those your hobby, and make one of those a creative outlet. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what I've tried to do. With, I mean, I love traveling, yeah, basically, and so. And I, I like interacting with people. So being a salesman to me, I, I really do like my job. Um, so that's been a great for me as a job. And then for a hobby, the Highland Games has been awesome. I get to do all those other things I like. Plus, it's pretty mellow compared to, to the other strength sports. Uh, you know, I get to enjoy a couple beers and laugh with guys. And throwers are usually a pretty good-natured group, especially, you know. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. most throwers uh, already know that people don't give a shit about what we do. Yeah, you don't walk. So into there's none of that ego. Yeah, you don't walk into restaurants and have your own, you know, sautéed butter and salt and pepper and stuff. No, that's that's not living. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, and getting to write and try to get some more information out there and try to, I guess, help help other people in whatever little little way I can. No, and I, to translate this into Highland Games, like I've I've never been pro class, um, but I started out in B class, and it was like uh, B class was great. It was everybody was having fun. You could have a beer and throw. And yeah. then it's like you get to A class and you run into all these guys that are just good enough to have this fucking attitude. And then it's, you see the guys that make it pro are like, ah, fuck it, we're out here having fun. You know, right, right. you see that in every field. Um, yeah, and strongman uh, the same way. The, yeah. the, the pro strongman guy, uh, I probably would have really enjoyed that sport had I been capable to make it to that level. Mm-hmm. You know, with uh, my brother making it to that level, I got to interact with a lot of those guys and. That was awesome. Yeah. All those guys were great. Yeah. Whereas the the high end amateur level to me, those guys are way too fucking serious. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you I guys just, I just this, don't care that. This reminds me of an old Arnold quote. I know you guys remember. I I don't know, it was pumping iron or whatever. He, he's talking about even in bodybuilding. He was saying something like, "When uh, oh, I know it's from his autobiography, his book, uh, Education of a Bodybuilder." It says, "When you got a BMW or, your, or a Mercedes, you're always vroom vroom trying to race people on the highway. But when you've got a Lamborghini and you know if you tap the gas, you win. You know, <laughs> then you don't race everybody else. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, yeah. That's the thing. I mean, it's it's you. It's the people that are trying so hard to be something, they're trying so fucking hard to be it that they're not. Well, I think that's, <laughs> I think that goes back to it too. There's so many people that are really looking for something to define them. Yes. 
and whether that's going to be I'm a strong man. I mean, you can tell by my shirts they have skulls on them. Yeah, and, and this other goofy shit they do. <laughs> Yeah. Or, you know, and that's not picking on strongman, but powerlifting, or even yeah, even the all. low end Highland game guys. Like, man, don't don't paint your face and show play Braveheart at the game. <laughs> like, I, I mean, look, if you're having a ball, but don't do it and take yourself seriously. Uh, yeah. You look like an asshole. Yeah. Uh, I mean, be out there, put on a show, and have a good time. And man, just fucking relax a little bit. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can you can bust your ass in the gym and do the things like that, but that attitude there isn't going to be the difference in what takes you from being an A level thrower to being a pro guy. Yes, and I can guarantee you, I mean, every high level lifter I've been against with and trained with, you know, from training with Mark and Jesse up in SAC to wherever, there, the gym is taken very serious, but yep. the ten minutes between each set is just bullshit and laughs. Yes, learn, learn how to turn it on and turn it off. Yeah, and you're having a lot of fun doing it, man. If you're not having fun doing it, you're fucking up. Um, I agree. So, like, we're all going to end up in the ground. Yeah, it's so. It's, if I've wasted twenty years of my life being miserable, basically in the gym and not laughing, I have screwed up my attempt at this life thing. Yeah, so, um, what about so? I mean, do you even cycle in for for your any clients or anything? Um, the people. Would you use bands and squats or anything like that for dynamic work? Yeah, sure. I mean, I guess it depends on what the athlete's trying to do. And I'll use it during my speed cycle or some other stuff just just for a change of pace. But that's that's what that stuff exactly is for me. That yeah. stuff is in you know is an accessory. You know, and so the, the problem I've always run into is people they get obsessed with it. And I think you know if you're going to squat with a safety squat bar, or you're going to squat with bands. I mean, I think a lot of it works really great for rehab or prehab work. Yeah. And using it as a variation to get around stuff. But if you're healthy, you should probably just squat. Yeah. I mean, look, bands and chains are awesome if you're going to compete in gear. Yeah. They're great that way. But, you know, outside of that, like, I mean, I do like some assistive stuff. I really, really like using the slingshot. I've been a big fan of that for a long time before Mark and I were even friends. And, uh, you know, squatting, I... I'll do a band cycle every now and then just for a difference, but I'm going to come back to yeah. a straight bar with weight on my back. Yeah. And, I mean, I that's, I agree. I mean, even with my power lifters, I mean, we'll use bands for one of two reasons, to teach people how to fight or just to move fast, and then at least I know they're not going to leave the ground. Yeah, that's <laughs> they're true. They're moving fast. Yeah. So, um, but other than that, I mean, I think it's – and you're seeing it more and more again. I don't know. I'm always – on the fence about this because I don't know if it's just because it's the crowd I run into, but everything's going back to the basics. You know, it's like you want to get strong, just squat and press and, you know. Um, yeah. So. A, yeah, a big part of that going back to the basics thing is, is is CrossFit coming on board. And CrossFit really isn't doing anything crazy in their lifts. They're doing major lifts and they're doing them a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the volume to most people who've ever trained is crazy. But, I mean, it's really hard to start arguing with, I mean, you can't say those people aren't strong. I mean, Rich Froning is every bit as strong as I am. Yeah. You know, Camille Camille LeBlanc has a double weight, a double body weight snatch. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people are very strong. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, so basic movements done a lot. You know, it's accumulation of work, and the CrossFit people just accumulate that work faster on sub maximal loads. Yeah. So let's talk about, let's say you had a person that was just starting. I mean, would you start them out in 
uh, as far as using dynamic moves, this is going to be one day a week, like on your hate program or. I mean, how, let's define just starting. Are, are we just starting like a, like I'm 50 and I haven't ever thought about working out before, or am I an athlete who's looking to change things up? I don't know. An 18 year old kid that knows his way around the gym, but uh, Hey, I want to start doing Highland games. Okay. You know, what, would, what gym work? Um, I would just run my program from, from step one. I would definitely just go into the, the, uh, the high volume, mm-hmm. you know, start building up that work capacity I mean, get in there. The weights are going to be light, so The kid's not going to get beat up that way. Chances are he's never done anything that hard. And it's going to show a little guts. As far as the Olympic lifts go, um, would you say, would you tell them, hey, go get at least a session or two in with somebody that knows what the hell they're doing? Or do you think uh, it's lifts that are you're able to learn on your own? I think there's so much information out there via YouTube or via anything else mm-hmm. that you should start doing snatch or clean pulls. I mean, those are basically pretty easy. You're just yeah. going to put the bar on the floor and you're going to hold it close grip or wide grip. Yeah. And you're going to stand up and jump. Yeah. That, I mean, that that right there with a shrug at the top, that that's as simple as it gets. <clears throat> And so I don't think you need to spend a whole lot of time with a coach. Now, if you're interested in being a more proficient weightlifter, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. So what, three, four days a week then? Go yeah, off throw yeah, three, I four days a, a week? I think a four-day a week, I mean, if you're going to get started, a four-day a week training with a, the high volume. And if, you need to, if you're looking to get better at throwing, you need to go throw. And so that definitely is – it needs to be one to two days a week to get started. I mean, you're going to be beat up, and bad technique practice a lot is – worse for you than you know so i mean the other part of that is is trying to teach people how to how to gauge it i mean go out and throw at it's like 80 or 90 percent until things are smooth and you're on balance yeah and smooth can turn into fast you're not gonna you don't get to just be fast and then keep pumping the gas pedal it's just gonna go fall apart yeah and that's the tough thing with throwing and olympic lifts um for me it was the tough thing because of my background like I'm not saying that powerlifting isn't skillful. Of course it is. You know, there there is some skill in squat and deadlift and bench. But in general, there's a more of a, the, the harder I try, the better I do in, oh, sure, in those sure. lifts. Whereas in throwing and Olympic lifts, especially throwing, uh, the minute I try really hard, I suck. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, so, yeah, same thing with Olympic lifts. It's got a fire in order. Yeah. And, and you can't, and, and smooth is fast and relaxed is fast. Yes, and that's the hard thing to learn. It was the hard thing for me to learn, and I've, I've seen from many people coming from more traditional strength sports is going out and trying throwing is that uh, to loosen up. And I, like I, what I did is, you know, the best thing I ever did with my hammer, for instance, was go out and throw it like 60%. Yeah. And just try and throw smooth. long. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. yeah, for my recommendation for people trying to learn the hammer is go out and basically, you know, take a bunch of throws, try to figure out, What's the furthest you can throw it with the least amount of effort? Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's that's kind of what I'd recommend to a lot of people going to learn to throw is, is, I mean, basically, as you pick it up, take your first couple warm-ups. I mean, look, my first throw, when I throw the 56 in training, I probably throw it 20 feet. Yeah. You know, and I can, almost, I can throw it 45 pretty consistently. And so from that point on, every throw after that, I really just want to add six inches. Yeah. Six to ten, you know, just a couple, just a little, just throw it further. Yeah. And then keep building on that. And at some point you'll hit one and then you'll have to say to throw further than that one, I've got a crank on it. And and at that point it will kind of fall apart. Yeah. And so back off again and just start keeping it smooth. 
And well, I mean, it goes back to right to your training. I mean, you're trying to get the most out of the least effort. Exactly. (laughs) Well, let me ask Um, something then. So that sounds sort of like an intangible, Matt. I mean, how? What are the cues when you don't want to push it? You know, you're like just a couple inches further, just better than the last one. Uh, you know, because we've talked about this in powerlifting too. Like, what feels right in a lift? You know what I mean? It's not necessarily you're sure. about to miss it, but what are the sort of cues that tip you off that I don't want to push any harder? That you know what I mean? Um, it's once the technique really starts to suffer. I mean, look in training. What I'm trying to do is be more proficient. I'm trying to improve the things. I don't care how far I throw in training per se. I mean, look, I don't want to throw sort of shit. I mean, I'm not looking to go out and throw the the heavyweight. 35 feet and be stoked on my training cycle, you know, practice that day that, that stinks. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cues I look for really are, I mean, as soon as I'm really having to try to crank on something and I'm losing balance at the end of my throw and my left foot's flopping around and I know that I'm not properly transferring the weight or transferring the power into the implement, mm-hmm. that's when I know I, I'm going too hard. And you can build speed and build speed at the right point during the movement. But you've got to stay on balance. You can't just ramp up. Okay, yeah. And so the more that you're comfortable being on balance and the more that you can adjust to, you know, figuring out your own leverage and how to counter and how to sink and, and, and find those things, the faster you'll be able to go. It'll just naturally start happening. It's no different than, I mean, training repetitions and, and something that's technical is no different than somebody working on an assembly line. You see someone who assembles widgets all day long, and there's not a single wasted movement in their entire day. Yeah. You know, whereas if I tried to go in and match that speed, it would just be a mess. You know, it's the problem you always see. Let's say the big strong guy decides he wants to try Olympic weightlifting. So instead of sticking with like 65 pounds in the bar and learning how to do it right, he always wants to pack on 225, 275. Um, and it, it's it's trying to get people to. Oh, you're trying something new, just like you were talking about with the widgets. You know, if you were going to go become a widget builder, you would go through a process of learning how to do that. Um, you wouldn't be the best widget builder on day one. Um, it's getting people to, you know, hey, you're gonna, you're trying something new. Slow the hell down. Let's try and do it right, not far. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's all about the process. I mean, nobody wants to go through the process yeah. of anything. Much Everybody more. wants to be the next Matt Vincent and win the Highland Games World Championship. Yeah, that's what everyone's speaking. Uh, all the kids these days, in the yeah. the <laughs> but they want to skip from you know. I need to actually learn how to throw this thing. Yeah, you know, you know that's that's the other part too. Everyone, and that's that's generationally. You know, uh, Sean Betts is a, a pro guy who just kind of retired, and he mentioned that that he got tired of getting messages from people who, you know, want all of the, uh, you know, all the spoils of being great at something, but none of the work that gets you to that point. Yes. And I mean, that's something I I try to tell people. I mean, look, I'm relatively new on the scene, especially of anyone knowing who the hell I am. However, I've lifted really hard and consistently for for the last 17 years. Yeah. And, you know, it's no different than in the gym or in life or in anything like that. And I mean, now I've got friends that, you know, are now being 30 or have decided like, oh, shit, I need to get my life together. And, you know, we'll talk to me. And like, you know, man, I'm just not happy with where I'm at or this and that. And I'm like, well, man, you don't get it both ways. You don't get to just blow off a decade of your 20s and do any, you know, do nothing that makes any progress and then turn 30 and be like, time for a career in a 401k. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, man. Yeah. You know, I, I, I did that for the last 10 years. Yeah. 
that's why that's why the the base has been built. So I mean, whether you've decided to start today or you're going to start in ten years from today, you still have the same base that needs to be built. Mm-hmm. And if you're a guy who is physically gifted enough that you don't have to build that base, you're probably not listening to any information I have anyway. Yeah. So if you're wondering if you're that guy or not, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Matt? You've got your shit together. I mean, seriously, balance. You. That's something I've been struggling with, you know, to try to almost sometimes you have to force it, but get some of that life balance. When you're talking about hobby, creative outlet, you know, you're lifting, don't be one dimensional, don't waste your 20s and expect to be patted on the back for all kinds of stuff that you haven't earned. You know what I mean? That's good balance. And and look, it's I'll say it. It's easy for me in the position I'm in. I've been very, very fortunate with work that I found something I like doing and I've been rewarded well for it. I, I love working for the people I work for and they, they treat me great. And I also get a ton of free time to compete and stuff. I, you know, I work from my house most days. So if I feel like going to train at lunch, I'll go train at lunch because it's in my garage. I have built myself some better options, you know, with, with these things too, but that wasn't always the case either. You know, there was a time where I just got up and went to the gym in the morning before I had, you know, before I worked or, you know, got done a full day of traveling and, and climbing towers at a refinery and came home to train. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, though. I mean, that what you're able to do now didn't happen by accident. No. no and everybody sees that. Well, if I only had my Vincent's life, I could be the Highland Games World Championship champion, too. Well, you needed to work for that. Well, yeah, you know, that's, uh, Mark Bell and I have mentioned that to each other, and one of the things was, you know, every overnight success happened 20 years ago. Yes. Right. And it's 20 years in the making. Yeah. Right. And I like what you said about you have to set things up. You can't expect just through serendipity and chance that things are going to no, fall it, into place. You know, you, you set look, up I've had stuff. my fair share of failures. It happens. Yeah. Oh, shit, I wasn't a very good strongman. I wasn't a very good powerlifter. I'm not a great weightlifter. Mm-hmm. I'm very good at the highland games. Yeah, and that's that has been the perfect niche for me. And it's been I, I've been very fortunate too that I found something that I'm very good at, and something that I enjoy a lot. Yes, right. Passion. Yeah. yeah. Just because you're good at something doesn't necessarily mean you're going to enjoy doing it. Yeah. But yeah, passion. I mean, like like you said there, but that that's everything. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the same reason I still get butterflies and, and get excited chasing a job for work. I mean. You know, the actual product I sell or the service, I mean, that doesn't really excite me. But, you know, the, the chase of finally getting someone on the phone and setting up a meeting and getting on a plane and going up there and then, you know, getting in front of these people and hitting the meeting out of the park and we get that work. Man, that's I, I'm super pumped on that stuff just as much as I am anything else. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just fucking work hard. You know, that's that's the other thing. I'm willing to outwork anybody else I know. You know, I, I'm okay with not sleeping. I'm I'm okay with not being home. That's because when I'm 50, I can probably sit back a little bit. I can probably put it in coast. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was a good show. We can end it there. I think. Don't you think, guys? Yeah, that was a it's a lot of fun, man. I like I like covering you know a little bit more depth of stuff than uh fucking sets and reps are boring. <laughs> I mean. I mean, look, if I could write a book that just said do some for a few, that's what I would. Yeah. But, you know, everyone thinks there's a magic number that equals strength gains, and there's not. There's just, you need to have a plan that's not stupid. Yeah. 
Well, <laughs> that's that's, that's a good quote. <laughs> Have a plan that's not stupid. We should make a T-shirt. I mean, that's basically that's basically <laughs> what it is, you know. That'll work, Matt. We'll talk to you again sometime. Maybe when you win number three. So. It'll be tricky. It'll be tricky. I'm trying to pull it off this year instead of uh, making that year gap in there. So, all right, guys. I'll talk to you later. All right, fun. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.